Turn, if you would, to the book of 1 Kings chapter 14. 1 Kings chapter 14. What a blessing to see you here this morning. We've already had two great services. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a week uh, this week. Brother Raymond's funeral service was Friday. and uh, Wednesday, we had uh, Bruce uh, Ballou's service out at Mason Creek. And then yesterday, a tremendous memorial service for Miss Iva D. Smith. I tell you, I'm going to miss her sitting there uh, and smiling. Somebody's going to have to take her place smiling. Instead of frowning at me, somebody needs to take her place smiling, all right? And uh, let me just share with you, too. I got just a note while ago from uh, Lynette. Richard Burks did not have a heart attack yesterday, so he's going back to Summer Meadows, so we praise the Lord for that. And then I want to introduce my uh, brother. You know Lonnie. Many of you know Lonnie. And this is his new wife, Tina. Y'all stand up here. Everybody knows them, and I, we are so thankful. Amen. All the way from Crockett, they've been married one week and hadn't had a fight yet, so praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, and I'm so thankful. That's Leslie's dad. And uh, so we're, we're just praising the Lord for new birth into the family and, and a new uh, wife into the family, too. Lonnie has been, what, 11, 12 years? 15 years, man. Uh, and uh, no man ought to be that long single, amen? Uh, I better get on here before I get in trouble. First Kings <laughs> chapter 14. I read about that couple that had two little boys. They were eight years old and 10 years old. And uh, they were stinkers. I mean, anytime there was trouble, it was usually those two boys that were in the trouble. And uh, the mother heard about this preacher in town that could discipline boys and had a good record of it really working. So she asked her husband, can we take the boys down to this preacher? And uh, he said, well, if we don't, they're going to end up in jail. So yeah, let's take them down there and see if uh, we don't know what else to do. We've done everything we know to do. And so they took them down and the preacher said, well, I want to see them one at a time, not both of them together, one at a time. So the little eight-year-old was the first one that went in, and he sat down across the desk from the preacher, and the preacher kind of pulled a chair up close and said, Son, where is God? The little boy didn't say a word. He just clammed up. He said, Son, I said, where is God? He didn't say a word. The third time, he shook his finger in his face and said, Son, I'm telling you, where is God? Little boy just jumped up, bolted out of the pastor's office, ran home as fast as he could, locked himself in the closet. Little 10-year-old said, man, what's wrong? What's happened? And the younger brother said, we're in big trouble this guy, this time. God's missing and they think we got him. <laughs> when you come, <laughs> when you come to chapter 14, let me tell you, Jeroboam is in some big trouble. Some big trouble. Let's read it with me, if you would. 1 Kings 14, verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word? At that time, Abijah, the son of Jeroboam, fell sick. Now, I was going to tell you before, there are two words here I've been practicing all night. Abijah is the son that's sick, and Ahijah is the prophet of God. So if I say Ahijah where it should be Abijah, and Abijah where it should be Ahijah, you just know that it's Abijah or Ahijah, okay? <laughs> All right. Verse 2. And Jeroboam said to his wife, Arise, I pray thee, and disguise thyself, 
that thou be not known to be the wife of Jeroboam. And get thee to Shiloh, behold, there is Ahijah, the prophet, which told me that I should be the king over this people. And take with thee ten loaves and cracknels and a cruise of honey, and go to him. He shall tell thee what shall become of the child. Jeroboam's wife did so, and arose and went to Shiloh, and came to the house of Ahijah. But Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were set by reason of his age. And the Lord said unto Ahijah, Behold, the wife of Jeroboam cometh to ask thee of a thing for her son, for he is sick. Thus and thus shalt thou say unto her, for it shall be when she cometh in, that she shall feign herself to be another woman. And it was so. When Ahijah heard the sound of her feet, as she came in at the door, he said, Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Why feignest thou thyself to be another? For I am sent to thee with heavy tidings. Father, this morning, thank you for the presence of in this place. And thank you for the music and, Lord, the time of worship. I pray, Lord Jesus, you will speak to our hearts. Lord, don't let people see me. Let them see you high and lifted up. Speak to them. Call sinners to repentance this morning. Save lost people. Restore relationships. God, touch and heal those that need encouragement and health today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The kingdom of God is divided the North Kingdom and the South Kingdom. The South Kingdom had two tribes, and, and they, uh, they had some kings in the South Kingdom that wanted to do what was right. And uh, I just might interject this here. When you want to do what's right, you've got to decide to do what's right. It doesn't just come natural. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to do what's right. And so some kings in the South Kingdom had said, we want to do what's right. Now, the North Kingdom had 10 tribes, and there was never a king in the North Kingdom anywhere that said, I want to do what's right. When you've said, when you've said uh, I don't want to do what's right, what you've really said is, I want to do what's wrong. And so uh, these kingdoms, Jeroboam is one of them there. He's made bad decisions. He's made bad choices. He's in a bad predicament. And yet in the midst of all of the badness, he's looking for something good. And uh, they need something from God, and they're going to try to find a sneaky way. Uh, they're going to try to play God. They're going to try to trick God into giving them what they need. Now, I, you know, we think we can fool people, and you can. Uh, but I want to tell you, you got a hard time fooling God. You, you can fool the preacher. There's a lot of you got me fooled, and I got some of y'all fooled. Uh, you can fool your spouse. You can fool your parents, you can fool your boss, you can fool your loved ones, you can fool your friends. But I want to tell you, be not deceived, God is not mocked, whatsoever man soweth, that shall he reap. You're not going to fool God. You're not going to fool God. There are people today that we're looking for that will do what's right, will live right, will act right, will serve right, because this is one place in this house of God here that you're not going to fool God. Whatever you do, God knows what you're doing. Not only does God know what you have done, he knows what you're going to do tonight. He knows all about us. So, I mean, you know, my question today is, are we really being real? Are we trying to play games with God? 
Are we putting on a face that we're somebody that we're not? Now, watch me here. Jeroboam had compromised his principles. Uh, he had set up altars. Remember, he'd set them up in, in Dan to the north and in Bethel to the south. He had put places at different places, uh, put altars at different places in the wrong places there. He had compromised. And then he had put corrupt people. He said, literally, if you want to be a le leader, just come on down and you can be a leader. It would be like me saying, if you want to be a deacon in this church, just come on down here. I'm going to make every one of y'all a deacon in this church right here. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter if you're good or if you're bad. It don't make any difference at all. Everybody going to be a leader. Just live any way you want to live. And I'm telling you, that's contrary to the Word of God. He was compromised, he was corrupt, and he would not change. Look at verse 33 in chapter 13. Should be on the same page as chapter 14 or close. After this thing, what thing is this? <laughs> Do you remember last week? Or was it Wednesday? I don't know. Back here a couple of times ago, uh, the prophet spoke to, Jer to uh, Jeroboam, and jo Jeroboam held out his hand and to lay hold on the prophet. And you remember what happened to his hand? His whole hand died. It withered, and it died. Mm. And then he said, prophet, please pray that I get my hand back. He turned around and prayed. God gave him his hand back, and life came to his hand, and he was able to use it again. After all of that, after all of that, here's what happens. This thing, Jeroboam, returned not from his evil way, but made again of the lowest of the people priests of the high places, whosoever would, he consecrated him, and he became one of the priests of the high places. And this thing became sin unto the house of Jeroboam, even to cut it off and to destroy it from the face of the earth. Wow. He would not change. Even after the prophet had prophesied to him, even after God had done miracles right in the middle of his face, he would not change. Now, when that happens... The first thing that happens is we see in chapter 14, there is a pitiful testimony here. Verse 14, 1, at that time. What time is that? Well, that time is in verses 33 and 34. He would not change. He would not serve the Lord. He would not be anyone who wanted to do right. He said at that time, this, listen, you cannot do the work of God and live any way you want to live. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor of the church or if you're a member of the church. You're held responsible for being a child of God. And you can't live like that. I, well, you can. I want to tell you, you can live any way you want to live. And you can act any way you want to act. And you can go anywhere you want to go. And you can say anything you want to say. And you can do anything you want to do. But let me just warn you now. When you're in the midst of that, when you're living in sin, you're doing what you want to do, you're saying what you want to say, you're going where you want to go, in the midst of that sin, you listen to me, there will come a time when you'll need God. And it's a pitiful shape to be in when you're living for the devil and you need the Lord. And that's where Jeroboam finds himself here. Uh, the trials are going to come. Difficulties are going to come. Tragedy is going to come. You don't want to be living for the devil. But he didn't want to live for God. But he sure needed him. There are a lot of folk today, they don't want to live for God. I remember we just recognized 
as a memorial. 9-11. I remember I was doing a revival at Friendship Baptist Church in Beaumont. That Sunday night, it was okay. I mean, you know, good service. Everything was okay. Nothing special. But after we bombed Afghanistan, or, or wherever we bombed during that time, the Gulf War, after we bombed, uh, 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 that was in the Gulf War, not 9-11. After we had set our planes over there to bomb, every pew was filled that night. And even after 9-11, you remember in our country, people who couldn't stand each other, Democrats and Republicans and Independents, all standing hand in hand on the Capitol praying. But it didn't last very long. You see, there's a lot of people that don't want to live for God but when they need God, suddenly they call on God. He's got a pitiful testimony here. And, and then he, he doesn't repent. I mean, honestly, come on now, guys. If you really were living in sin and you really needed God, wouldn't you think the first thing you ought to do is repent and say, Lord, have mercy, forgive me, and come back to God? That's not what he did. You know what he did? He said, we're going to scheme God. We're going to fool him. We're going to get what we want, and God's not going to know anything about it. I tell you what I want you to do. We're going to trick God and lie to God, and you say he's crazy. Let's be careful now, because when you're living in the flesh, it tempts you to literally scheme God. When you're living in the flesh, and you're walking according to this word standards, this world standards, it will tempt you to try to scheme God and think you can get away with it. I'm going to please God. Well, if you're going to please God, let me tell you, there's three things you're going to do. One thing, you're going to die to yourself every day. I heard Leroy say yesterday, you know, it used to be we sang, and we sang it here last week, one day at a time. But with COVID and everything that's going on, we're not singing one day at a time. We're singing one breath at a time. We don't know what's going to happen. You're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to live according to the commandments of, of, of the Lord. He said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I ask you to do? That's how we know we love God if we keep his commandments. And you're going to have to give up some of your preferences. Some of the things that it may not be wrong, wrong, but if it's wrong and hurting a brother, you need to give it up. L let me just share this with you. Especially if you're called to preach and you're a young man, listen to this. Authority never gives a leader the privilege to execute his own preferences. Just because I'm pastor of this church and quote the authority of this church for whatever that means. For some it means a lot, for some it's not worth a dime. But just because I'm pastor of this church it never gives me a right to say, this is what I want. This is my preferences. This is what it never does. It's, this is God's house. Everything here has to relate upon God and the glory of God. If it's not for God, then we don't need to be doing it. It does not give me the right to order you around and say, you do this, you do this, you do this. It gives me the right to get before God and find out what God wants and then lay the plan out. God doesn't put you in charge so you can do what you want to do. The higher up in leadership you go, it means you're more accountable. 
we got a sick kid here. Jeroboam's son, Abijah, is sick. And God, we've, uh, we've paid no attention to God. And now we need him. You go find Ahijah. You know, the people love to use preachers. They think preachers are dumb as a rock. A lot of times we know what's going on. I'll tell you right now, I know enough on most of you to put you under. <laughs> and I know some of y'all know enough on me to put me under. <laughs> you, 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 mm, let me just go ahead and say it. Uh, you know, we're living in a world, and I don't want to be ugly, because we need to be benevolent and we need to help people wherever they are. But we're literally, I'm talking about people who are rejecting God. We're living in a world, I see them all the time, that come into this place and they don't want to give God a tithe. They don't want to give God a dime. But they want everybody who is tithing to pay their light bill and pay their rent. Huh? Hey, listen. When you get to where you're living for the devil... And suddenly you need God. It's a whole new ball game. We got a sick kid. So I'll tell you what you do. You disguise yourself. Because see, if Jeroboam knows that you're with me, he, he don't like me. He don't like me at all. He's going to cast you out. So you got to disguise yourself. And, and then you got to carry an offering where you get some loaves and some honey and cracknel there. And, uh, and he'll tell us what we need. See, he was counting on the preacher being too old and too blind to know anything any different. Mm, we come sometimes all dressed up in our clothes and worship and shouting and teaching and singing and crying. People say, what a Christian. Whew. Man, they love the Lord. And we're banking on the church being too ignorant and dumb to know the difference. Pastor's half blind. You see, the flesh will have you counting the limitations. But here's the deal. Old Ahijah was old, and he was blind, but he had a partner. And his partner knows everything about everybody. His partner can see through the clothes and see through the mask. And see through all of that. His partner can, can see the heart. He said, uh, you, you go, honey, and you dress up. I mean, you, hey, don't, don't use that Avon stuff. Let's use that high-dollar pharmacy. <laughs> and you put it on thick. He's old and he's blind and he'll never even recognize you. You go down and you drag out that new dress I bought you four years ago at Walmart and, and you put that thing on and, and you put them high heels on and you dress yourself up. And the Bible says that she dressed herself up that Jeroboam said, I don't even know it's my wife. She was so decked out that he didn't even know it was his wife. And they're going to go in to fool the old prophet. But he's got somebody whose eyes never go blind, whose ears never grow old. You see, when you try to scheme God, there's going to come a time of a definite revealing. Going to be a revelation coming. Honey, he's too blind to know who you are. 
but he's got a, a, a partner. They didn't count on God whispering in the old prophet's ears. People don't count on the Holy Spirit speaking this morning. I don't know how he does it. I know I could be preaching a sermon, and somebody will come out of here and say, Preacher, this is what it meant to me. And I thought, well, there wasn't nothing like that in that sermon. But the Holy Spirit can take whatever the word is and apply it to everybody in this building. God sees past all the schemes, all the masks, all the hankies, all the shouting and the hand lifting and the dignified talking and the performances. He knew who she was when she was walking around the corner. Whoo, I'd have loved to have been there. Can you see her? She's got them high heels clanking. And she's coming around the corner. And she's going to fool him. She hadn't even got in there yet. And he says, come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. <laughs> if you wanted to write something in your Bible, I'd write it in capital letters. Busted. <laughs> That'd be a good place to write that. Busted. Now, don't point a finger at her because you got three more pointing back at us. Have you ever sat in a worship service where you got busted? I have. You ever opened the Word of God and, man, you got busted before you ever started reading? I have. How did the preacher know that? I mean, <laughs> maybe I should stand up this morning and say, Come in, you tithe robber. Come in, you unkind husband. You say, no, wait a minute. I, I put my hand around my wife. Yeah, but you need to put your heart around her. Hmm. How'd the preacher know that? You can come to church and you can look saved. You can look holy. You can sing. You can shout hallelujah all you want to. But God sees through all of that. Are you who you say you are? The preacher would never be smart enough to know that. <laughs> but I've got a partner. Who I'd have loved to have been there to see her face. She's coming in with that milk and uh, that honey and that bread and those cracknels. Come in, thou wife of Jeroboam. Before she could get in the building. I don't know how many times... Folks go out of here and say, did my wife call you this week? You've you, you been reading my mail? That's the Holy Spirit of God. Just don't do like him. When God brings conviction, own up to it. Repent of it. Move on with God. Let me close. This is a conclusion of decision here. Jeroboam's got himself in a mess. He's tried to scheme God. Kind of like the big game hunter went on safari with his wife and mother-in-law. One evening they were deep in the jungle and his wife awoke up to find his mo her mother was gone. Guy's mother-in-law was gone. She ran over and said, we've got, she's gone. We've got to go find her. We've got to go find her. He gets his gun and they didn't go probably 50 yards. And there was a clearing and they came upon a chilling sight. There was his mother-in-law backed up against a big bush, couldn't go, and a giant male lion standing in front of her.
She said, what are we going to do? The husband said, nothing. The lion got himself into this mess. Let him get himself out of it. Jeroboam's in a mess. And he's in a mess because he tried to scheme God. He tried to fool God and trick God. The Bible says in verse 7, you go tell Jeroboam, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, as much as I exalted thee from among the people and made thee prince over my people Israel and rent the kingdom of, away from the house of David and gave it to thee, and yet thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments and who followed me with all of his heart, to do that only which was right in mine eyes. Now here's what he says. But has done evil above all that were before thee. For thou hast gone and made thee other gods and molten images to provoke me to anger and has cast me behind thy back. Jeroboam, I took the kingdom away from David. And I gave it to you. And in chapter 11 of 1 Kings, he said, Jeroboam, if you will follow my commands, if you will serve me, I will make sure that your, your kingdom is stable. I will bless you like I blessed David. Everything is going to be all right. But before the signature got warm on the certificate to make him king, he's putting up altars. He, he, he did everything wrong. He's worshiping idols. He's compromising. And he ends up saying, you've done more evil than everybody else. And then verse 12. Arise. He's speaking to Jeroboam's wife. Get thee to thine own house. And when thy feet enter into the city, the child shall die. Wow. Mm. tells the child's mama when you go to the city and you go through the gates and you enter the city that's when your child is going to die you say preacher that's a judgment of God no it's not I, let, let me just clear something up for you everybody wants to know is America under judgment you think America's under judgment no America's not under judgment let me tell you about the God we serve. He knows how to operate judgment. There's going to come a judgment. If you're here this morning without Jesus Christ, the judgment you're headed for is the right white throne judgment. That's a judgment. That's a judgment. You're going to be cast into the lake of fire. Not because you didn't do enough. Not because you didn't give enough. Not because you wasn't in church enough. None of that is going to make any difference. What's going to make a difference is, is the blood of Jesus over the doorpost of your life. And when you show up at the white throne judgment, I can tell you right now, it's not and it won't. You're headed for destruction. That's judgment. Now, for all the rest of us who are saved, we're going to a judgment too. It's called the Bema judgment. We'll be judged for our works, whether they be good or, or evil. America is not under judgment now. America is reaping what America sowed back in the 60s and 70s. When we took God and threw him out, and we took the Bible and threw it out, and we took the commandments and threw it out, and we were, having, we were compromising, saying, hey, it's all right if you have an alternative lifestyle over here. 
And now suddenly we come up to 2021 and that alternative lifestyle, if you'll just leave them alone and let them have an alternative lifestyle, now suddenly we're the, you're the ones who are crazy this morning. You're trying to live right. The nerve of you. I mean, you, 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 listen, you need to be pro-homosexual. You need to be pro, you need to be pro-transgender. You've got, this is 2021. And we're reaping the decisions that we made. When judgment comes, folks, you won't have to wonder if it's judgment. Our God knows how to do a judgment. Yeah, go back and ask the people in Noah's day, does God know how to judge the world? I think they'd all say, amen. I think they'd say, yeah. So the question this morning, it's almost, how's your lips? (laughs) But the question this morning, you can say the words and you can look the part, but are you really real? Are you really real? I won't be honest with you. If you knew what was awaiting you and you're here lost this morning, you would be not very intelligent to leave this place without Jesus. You need to come and ask Christ to take over your life and your heart. If you're here this morning, you're living in sin, you mark it down. There's going to come a difficult tragedy or a death or a circumstance or some kind of problem. And when you're living in sin, you're not in any shape to call on a God who you have neglected and said, God, I don't care what your word says. This is 2020. If I want to live with somebody, I'll live with somebody. If I want to talk to somebody like that, I'll talk to somebody like that. If I want to believe the way I believe, if I don't like people, I don't like people. You live like that, and when that time comes that you need God, you try to call out on a God like that. I'm telling you, today is the day to get our hearts right with God. Father, thank you this morning for the joy to be in this place. Thank you that you give us another opportunity to, Lord, humble ourselves before you and to be saved. And to, Lord, thank you that you give us an opportunity to get our hearts right with you. Thank you, Lord, that we're in a church that believes in an old-fashioned altar, that people can come and bow on their knees and say, oh, God, I've not treated you right. I've not lived right. I've not followed your commandments. But God is my witness today. I repent and I want to follow you. I want to serve thee because you have given your all to me. I've come brokenhearted, but yet you're going to heal my heart. Lord, would you have your way in every life in this place? In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?